Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hugh Off the Record. We have a special one today. We turned 21. It's the 21st episode. Now, I want to thank you all for the support on the pod so far. Hopefully, you're enjoying everything we're putting out. I'm trying to get interesting people to speak with. We couldn't do it without you, though. So, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, subscribing, tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking, if that's a verb. Now, our very special guest today is Sergeant Brian Wood of the Princess of Wales Royal Regiment. He's a member of a very small group of British soldiers. Now, since the, since the Falklands War... Only one time have soldiers fixed bayonets before going into combat. Now, this happened in Iraq in a battle called the Battle of Danny Boy. Now, you may have heard about this earlier this year. As if the battle itself wasn't enough, some so-called human rights lawyer named Phil Shiner took it upon himself to falsely claim details about the battle. Now, thankfully, this charlatan idiot was finally exposed, but sadly, the damage had already been done. So without further ado... I want to give you an amazing story by an amazing man, an inspirational man, and a hero, the recipient of the Military Cross, telling the story of the Battle of Danny Boy in his own words. So, Hi, Danny Hewitt. Good to be here, mate. It's good to be talking with you. And as, as a vet, I think it's important, and I always do this in my pockets, I always try to talk to guys that, that have served their country, and they have a unique perspective on stuff. And... One of the things that struck me when I first started reading about you was that you were accused of some crazy stuff after you probably did one of the most heroic things that uh, a military man could do. And it just seemed like it was bizarre to me. And, and the fact that it got traction was what we were just talking about before it hit the red button. So, I mean, what, what happened with it? You said you were aware of the course? Yeah, so if I'll give you an insight of, yeah. of that day, really, it was... Um it was 14th of May, 2004, and it was 14.30 hours where we had just been hit with the most violent of ambushes. You know, I'd been fighting. Yeah, you're in Iraq. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, it was like, the uprising yeah. as well. So just before that happened, there was a jihad, which was called, and um, there was an uprising from the start of our tour all the way until it finished. Uh, basically, the main militia leader just wanted all coalition forces to be hit and to be hit hard. So, you know, being in an ambush, it wasn't of a surprise, but what this was overly surprising because of the how violent it was. Um, and basically the militia force 
20 of them had gone into these sort of pre-dug trench positions, dug them out, dug them deeper, and they were staying and fighting. But I was in the back of a vehicle, so I was disorientated. It was 55 degrees, sweat pouring off me. And um, I was in the back as a dismount commander. The gunner and the commander then were, were engaging the enemy. They were you know, having an exchange. Trying to, we were trying to win the firefight. And then um, 10, 15 minutes into that exchange... That. We have an M50 on the top of that thing too, right? 30 mil. Well, yeah, so, so whoever's big there, rod and wherever so. you're shooting at is pretty determined if they're not running away from that. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's the, the re and, and the reason why they wanted boots on the ground was because they were in this trench-type system where they were just being opportunists. They were so engaged... And, yeah, one other, point yeah. to the other, exactly that. So it was hard for us to, you know, fix and destroy. So then the call came, which was, yeah, Woody, prepare to fix bayonets get out the back of this vehicle. That's like World War II shit, though. I mean, I was a Marine, right? yeah, and yeah. I don't think I ever... I, I learned how to put my bayonet on yeah. in, in, like, infantry school, yeah. you know, but I don't think I've ever actually kind of practiced doing it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, we do something in training called bayonet fighting yeah. um, when you do a whole morning yeah, of yeah, it. You yeah, you kind of, like, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Thing, but you don't really think much of it no, at that point, right? You yeah. don't ever think that one day I will be doing this for real close quarters, arms distance away. Are you were a corporal then? A lance corporal. Yeah, 20, man, well, corporal. All right, so it's like, you know, hello. You 23 know. years yeah, old. Man. Um, and I was a, a young commander, so I had, a, I had responsibilities. And, and once that call came to fix bayonets and prepare to get out that vehicle, you know, my heart was beating off my body on my plate. I could hear it, like, smashing against it with adrenaline. And I was like, I kind of done, done them emoji eyes. When, they, when he asked me <laughs> yeah, to command, yeah. I was like, bloody hell, are you... Yeah, but I obviously didn't question his judgment, but I asked him to say it again, yeah. because it's not a command you get told to do. Yeah, you're your fixed being that's in, in so, modern armies, man. This is it. And I asked him, I said, can you say again the command? He said, listen, prepare you and your men to fix bayonets and get out this vehicle and launch a full frontal attack. So then I tuned in and I was asking key questions, enemy strengths, which was 20. Mm -hmm. And there was three of us initially. So I was like, we're, we're pretty outnumbered, but we'll commit. Yeah. What weapon systems have they got? They're PKMs, AK-47s, yeah. RPGs, the, the traditional weapon systems that, has, you know, that they use. Um, I asked him for some sort of location on the ground because I couldn't see because I was in the back of the yeah, vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So you did that, that, how do the gates, how do the doors open? It was an, it's an armoured vehicle right. I was in, so it's like, it's... it's, it's so sometimes the Bradleys go down, some go sideways. They go sideways, yeah. so this is a, a so hydraulic... Oh, so it's Yeah, that's right. So it's slow, right? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're not too slow. I mean, they, they come out pretty rapid because they're, they're built for dismount yeah. close quarter combat. So, I mean, they come out pretty quick. So, yeah, like I said, I was, you know, I made sure that the guys knew everything that we needed to achieve and... I just wanted to lead by example, so I went out first, and like I should do, because I was a young commander and I was a leader of men, and um, I really, to be honest, hoped for the best, and I just wanted to give myself the best opportunity for me and my guys on the ground to at least do an estimate process on how I'm going to get from here, where I am now in the open, to that trench and try and survive and I remember when the door opened it was so bright like made my eyes squint my heart was racing the sand flew in my eyes from the wind and then I just committed I just got out of that vehicle and the British values and standards and courage and just went you know and yeah, just man. committed and got out and, I, and it was so loud because the vehicle was firing us in at this point so you just having shots going over your head coming, like 
close as well. I was like, shit. And I managed to we get, we got out and three of us fanned out. And then I tried to sort of calm myself and compose myself because at this point I hadn't seen where the enemy trained. You just was. hit the first cover. I just found, hit right, the yeah. first bit of cover to give us a, a chance. And then I composed myself, told the guys, made sure that everyone was okay and said I was going to go up like a little meerkat and have a little fear <laughs> to try and get eyes on the enemy yeah. so, so I could start doing this planning process. And then from nowhere, we were joined by another two British soldiers from a different platoon. And I was like, all right, lads. Yeah, let's see some friends. friends. Yeah. Said, Listen, right, there's going to be, there's five of us now. This is what we're going to do. I've seen, I've seen the enemy. They're about 120 metres away from us and they were fighting hard against the, the vehicle because when we got out, it was a bit of a deception because the, the uh, armoured vehicle really rain down on this position yeah. they had their heads down so, so they didn't see, you guys so they come didn't out. see us right, come out but I knew once we exposed ourselves we were then in a two way kinetic engagement yeah. and it was going to be violent because we were only 100 metres away at this point and they dug in so they dug in they're staying and fighting yeah. they are staying and fighting which I knew anyway so I done a peed over like a meerkat seen this defensive position that they were dug into and it was over violent and I was thinking do you know what I don't think we might have much of a chance but I knew my intent I knew my mission command mm -hmm. and we were going to commit regardless and I said to the guys when I give them the brief because there was no way we could go right flanking or left flanking it was a old school World War 2 material up over the top and you just go and you work hard with aggression and, and some of the values that we've grown up with and, and just really be determined and I said to the guys once we commit we don't go back we bound forward and we just try and take the initiative and, and we work hard and, and we fight hard together. And how are we going to do it? We're going to go and do it in two stages. So I will go first with another guy. It was uh, me and Rushforth. We got up and we'll bound forward. Once we start engaging, then you, so we had one foot on the ground at all times. So we, we pepper potted and bounded, you know, and leapfrogged each other. And I was like, okay, five, four, three, two, one. And that was it. We got got ourselves up as soon as we go I reckon you know when I took my first kneeling position to engage I was in a two way dust up then Brilliant. it was kinetic and it was like <laughs> like that sort of shit going past yeah, you yeah you started thinking, hitting the bees buzzing absolutely <laughs> it was as well it was like the bees are buzzing all around me I was thinking any time now I'm going to hear man down or I'm going to get hit myself but I was just so determined to, to you know to achieve what we set out to do. You know, these were very, very violent people and they were, they were militia fighters. And, and they weren't going anywhere, like they said. Were, they, they, they were, were there to the death, yeah. They were there. I thought they weren't going anywhere. However, when I was closing with and getting closer and closer and I then could start to see bodies in and around the position, dead bodies that had been hit by us and mm -hmm. been hit by the vehicles giving us support. Because we started to become an effective, yeah. they started to kind of like get they lost their nerve. And they lost yeah. their nerve. And they started to, some of them started to withdraw back, get out of the position and start falling back. And I was like, I've got the upper hand here. Just keep going, keep going. Okay. As we we're into our last bound position, just about to go in and spray and do the last bits that we do is when we close and destroy, yeah. all of a sudden they threw their weapons down and surrendered. So we had to go from like a split second decision making, which yeah, was fine. full violent. And it's very hard to do, but we did it. And we, we did it. And the boys from my regiment, and my regiment who I love so much, we did it with the highest integrity. Mm -hmm. And we saved their lives because they surrendered and we did not take action on that. And the ironic thing was if, if by any chance those roles were reversed, 
they wouldn't have spared you guys. They probably wouldn't have spared you for more than a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's 100% fact. So with this all happening, right, this is an incredible, what is it, 15 minutes of your life, probably the most intense 15 minutes any man could probably understand. You know what I'm saying? I I find it hard to understand. Mm. And you have to go from 100 miles an hour to zero in a matter of seconds when these guys throw their weapons down. It's over. Because that's the values that you were instilled in by your, yeah. by your commanders and stuff. That's yeah. that's heavy. It's a big ask. It really is. Oh, yeah. And I, I can see how it sometimes does go wrong. Because when you're, you know, it's 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 how I explain it. It's it's kind of an out of body experience. Because I never thought I was going to do hand to hand combat. Mm -hmm. You know, this stuff is old school stuff. Yeah, they train us with rifles, man, yeah, for a reason. It's a whole long way, man. And I mean, I was then heading towards a heavily defended, outgunned, and outnumbered trench. Um, and then, yeah, like like I said, they they, they surrendered. Um, we then stopped engaging. We then took them as prisoner of war. So, you know, we disarmed them. We made sure that they were plastic cuffed and separate from the enemy dead. So, because we don't do that, because you know Geneva Convention, yeah. we we don't mix them up. We've done it all by the standards and and try to adhere to the gold standard rule. Yeah. So we did that. Um, and then my sergeant major appeared from nowhere and was like, Woody, at this point, oh, I was sweating and really exhausted. Like I said, and you, couldn't really you believe what I'd just done. Just yeah. out. You this feel like it. you're going to flap apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just about to have that moment of sitting down where he's like, Woody, is the battlefield clear? And I was like, shit, because I knew it wasn't clear. And for a split second, I didn't want to go through again what I just experienced because it was like something I wouldn't want That's to do again. Enough, it was, yeah. it was, and I was like, "No, it's not, sir." And he said, "Right, you're going to come with me. We're going to work in a pairs, and we're going to go and clear this space, the battle area of the area of operations in front of us." Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to that. And this is my sergeant mate. This yeah. is who I looked up to. This yeah, guy's this, a legend. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, "Right, well, let's go." And then, sure enough, we started pairing, pepper potting, pepper potting. In the first 20 meters, two guys, AK-47s, just bung their weapons to bear. I dropped to a knee, but this was like, this was 10 meter engagement stuff. Yeah. And then I put two, two to his chest, I think I put a couple to his guts. He dropped down and the other one dropped down. And I was like, chest said, oh, man, just fucking hell. He's like, target's down, move. And he didn't give me a chance to sort of, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. he was just like moving and then I moved again and it was, and it was like, it was close quarter CQB lanes. So it's just going up. And then sure enough, another 20 meters, you could hit, we could hear noises. They stood up with an RPG. My site major engaged him and engaged another guy who stood up with a PKM ready to fire yeah. from the, the hip. And these are like rocket propelled grenades for people who don't know. Yeah, I mean, and big old machine yeah, guns are. ready I mean, to battle off big yeah, old 7.62s at you. Yeah. Which will take, you know, they'll tell you to pieces. Yeah. If you're here, yeah. you're torn yes. apart. I mean, uh, yeah, you get shot. Yeah, yeah, the caliber is, is you know, in, so intense. And um, yeah, like I said, we, we bounded another bound. And um, another two guys come up and we both, at the same time, engaged these two militia fighters. And then I said to the Sergeant Major, you know, we're vulnerable here. And he said, absolutely, right, we're going to go back. You move first. As I've moved, I've got down. As he's then moved to join me, from the corner of my eye, I see something. As I've turned, it was two militia fighters stood up and they threw their weapons down. So that played on my head quite a lot because I thought, why didn't they just kill us? I mean, our backs were turned. Yeah. They could have just engaged us and just were done with us. But they didn't. So then I kind of didn't dwell on it too long. And then I, we arrested them, took them to the main position. And talking about, you know, um, humanity, 
on the way back, we've got our medics working on one of the militia fighters. You know, he's got a chest seal on. He's giving him CPR. Mm-hmm. He's putting another one on a drip. But none of this gets reported. Right? Of course it does. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everybody expects yeah. perfect. I mean, you also look at it like normal civilian people. If someone scares them in a hallway or scares them when they walk into their room, they freak out. And their initial reaction after they realize that they're not going to die for being scared, they want to punch you or something. Yeah. The reaction is yeah. kind of you got so scared you got angry. Yeah. For you, you didn't get, you were scared, you were angry, but you didn't let that affect the situation. That's... I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, and we can't afford to let, let it affect the situation. To, to be honest, you know, I, I, I had never been in a position like that before, so I was testing myself to a degree, but I was testing myself to the extreme because, yeah. you know, I've, in, I, I've returned fire, I've engaged when we were in urban and we were doing urban operations and urban fighting, but not close and personal like this. Yeah. And also you're with your sergeant major. Absolutely. So you're like, I've had sergeant major, I'm there like yeah. my dad. And yeah. well, I mean, so this like, guy's a hero to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is the most inspirational, or one of the most inspirational men, you know, I know to this day. And you don't want to let him down, you, know, you don't want to let your guys down. I mean, that's the whole idea of why you composed yourself. Yeah. And, you know, well, so these guys said that you arrested, how did this all get turned around? So basically, this crazy call, um, we got on the battlefield. So we went to the main position. There was so much movement now because people had arrived on, on the, the battle scene. There was a lot of bodies on the ground and, and direction. And it was, and basically, I got back to the main sort of reorganization position. And um, that was when a, a, call, a call was made by brigade. So real high up yeah. was to extract all the bodies from the battlefield, load them up into the vehicles and so, take them back wow. to our main yeah. camp base. And that's not, that's something, that's something you, you do all do the that. time. Yeah, you never bring enemy bodies. Yeah, not, it's always you take your own. But Take your own with all costs. So never I, take, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, so no, no British troops, none of your guys were hurt during this. Right? That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, you know, I'm not religious or heavily religious in any shape, way or form, but, you know, I believe there had to be someone looking down on us that day because the amount that, you know, how close were the sand in front of my feet with was pepper pot and it was spraying up and the, the noise past my ears and, and the soldiers' ears. I was just waiting and it just never happened for some remarkable reason. It was just, yeah. I mean, yeah, there are no atheists on a battlefield. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So this call was made and this later on in life really really played with my mindset um, because taking another human being's life, you know, in warfare, you know, it happens. You take the enemy's life, but to then go back and to pick them up when you've taken their lives mm. to then, you know, and these bodies were hit with some ferocious ammunition yeah. and that they were disfigured and, you know, and it, and it just didn't sit right. And, you know, Leading by example, the decision was made. The first body I went to, I picked it up myself and just said, look, Begsy, another guy on the ground, said, we need to move these, mate. And he's like, and then the other guy, JC, was being violently sick because there were not pretty scenes. And he was, and I just said, look, you go and have a rest. Let, let us get a hold of these bodies. Anyway, fast forward and we loaded the bodies on. And then we uh, had a different vehicle for the POWs because we don't mix them yeah. up, clearly. Um, and then we headed back to camp, but on the way back to camp, the vehicles broke down, all the Challenger battle tanks, we had a big battle tank join us, which leveled, like, it fired over my head and leveled their sort of, they had a, like a, a, a depth position, mm-hmm. but it fired over my head and leveled this depth position. Yeah, it's it's like, insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like a, a 120 hash high explosive thing come over yeah. my head, it was like, fucking hell. 
um, that broke down. So then we had to wait around for another sort of an hour and 45 minutes. By this time, the smell and, you know, you can only imagine what was leaking into, into this vehicle, which is all plugged because of the oil and stuff. So they have like these access plugs, which were, were plugged and you can only imagine that. And then we got back to our, we eventually got back to our camp and there was a lot of people moving and because this is like never been done before, this was like proper crazy stuff. And there's a lot of people ready to process the POWs, which are prisoner of war. And the, when I got out of the vehicle, they were like, Woody, you need to go up and uh, to the regimental aid post. Um, the doctor's there waiting and then you need to unload the bodies onto the bodies bags. I was like, okay, no problem. So I went up there. By this point, you know, I was covered in blood myself from movement of the bodies and like I'm head to toe covered as well. Mm. Got to there, seen the doctor and he's like, right, okay, uh, you need to open up the vehicles and start laying these bodies out. So I was like, lads, right, this is what we need to do, give them some clear direction. And then um, I couldn't believe it was about to happen next. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So the the back door, because it's an armoured back door, it's on a hydraulic system. Mm-hmm. So when you press the button, it hydraulically moves the heavy door out. So when we pressed the button, there was nothing. It was dead. The whole the vehicle was not responding, so the door wouldn't open. The only way to open that door is to climb through the turret over the bodies and do it manually. Oh, man. So I was like, right, after four and a half hours of fighting and experience with doing what we did with the bodies to get them back to camp who was going to do that I didn't really want to do it yeah. the soldiers don't want to do it so I was like lads we're just going to have to bit of um, British black humour as we call it you yeah. know we're just going to have to play paper scissors stones <laughs> yeah and that, Marines do that too yeah I yeah. mean that's what we did I mean yeah. it's like you know rocks is stones rocks is that anyway the, it was a driver which unfortunately you know lost and he started his, he had a head torch on, he's like, just talk to me, just reassure me. So we were reassuring yeah. him, saying, you're all right, a bit of banner flying and yeah. pulling and throwing like you yeah. do. Just to try and, yeah, of course, just to, you know, just to make, you know, make him kind of like laugh in the face of adversity, really, because yeah. this is like 
really honking stuff that we're doing. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody who's listening to this can possibly imagine. First of all, dead bodies, when you see them in, in films and things like that, they have like a bullet hole, there's some blood. There's yeah. some, but people, the bowels go. I mean, there's piss, there's shit, there's blood. It's nasty. You name it. It's, you it's, name yeah, it's it. fucking it horrible. Out there. And this guy's got to go through all these guys have just lugged all this yeah. back into the yeah. thing. Yeah. So he's climbing through this, but what had happened on the battlefield, one of the soldiers didn't check one of the militias um, who was classed as dead. They never checked his pulse. So what he did, he was he played dead. So we loaded him onto this vehicle as dead, but he was alive, right? So when he was doing this, when he was hand cranking this door open, he looked and then sure enough, sat bolt right. He sat up bolt right and he was screaming and he just sort of opened the, the back door enough so he could get out sideways and he got out and he ran. This right. is the, the insurgent dude, right? The, In, right? the insurgents who we, yeah, the insurgent dude who we thought was dead. Dead is alive and running in your camp now. Nah. He set up. Oh, bolt your guy. And the guy, yeah. Like, the British soldier <laughs> got out and ran, screaming, he's alive, he's alive. And I was like, what? Sure enough, I've looked in there. He's looking at me. He just ran, just stare off. And I was like, oh my God. So I've then got him out, went through the whole process of arresting him and taking him away. And he's, is he wounded? Gunshot wound to the leg. You know? So he's shocked and, out. And he's, he's, yeah, he's shocked body. out and he's just looking at me, not even, not even muttering a word, just looked at me and made a stare off and I was thinking, oh my God, this is outrageous. So we managed to take him out. We arrested him. He then went through the process of, that, of the chain of command on that. And then um, that was like a talking point. We managed to get the bodies all laid out and then we were just about to start cleaning the vehicle when the medics came over. A lot of medics came over and was like, would it? You and your men need to stand down. Stand down, we'll clean the vehicles out because we were fucked, to yeah. be honest. We were fatigued, yeah. we were exhausted. And to be honest, we were kind of like shocked ourselves and what we'd just conducted and what we'd just been through. Yeah, it's not, I mean, even through combat operations, you, you, at, at certain points you're not expected to pick up the people that you have just engaged and killed and then put them back in your vehicle in this extreme situation and all this. Stuff. It usually breaks down in different forces. Yeah, absolutely. Was it force service support people yeah, that come and help, right? Yeah. So all of this had happened and my headspace was like, yeah doing overtime at this point and I went in the shower and I remember just turning the shower on and you know the grit and the the, the the sand and the blood was just rinsing off me into the plug hole and I just I was leaning against the wall just really couldn't believe what had just happened um, and then that the tour continued so the next day we were back out in the city fighting yeah, patrolling again. Again. Yeah, yeah absolutely fighting because it was a really intense tour um, but I had to come home a month early from the tour because I was earmarked to go on a promotional course and if you miss it it slips yeah. quite along so I didn't want to go because I'd been fighting hard previous to that I was blown up you know luckily I'd, I had all my limbs but yeah. so we had been fighting hard and I've been a lot you know I've been with my men a long time so I didn't want to leave them mm -hmm. early and go home but I was basically ordered doesn't matter you're going so I was like okay so I left Alamara in Iraq and I didn't have any decompression. I went from from that location straight back, to, back, yeah. back to home, yeah. going through my front door. And I left my son, he was three weeks old, and I left him to go to, to, to Iraq. So I left as a young, lovable father who was so excited to come back um, and, and see my, my newborn son and, and Lucy, who had obviously done a remarkable job taking care of him while I was away. And I got back 
and I couldn't process it. I couldn't process it and, you know, I, I was sort of struggling, if I'm honest, with the whole, you know, I didn't know how to be a dad and I would hold him, he would cry. I'd bath him, he would cry. I'd read him a story, he would cry. I would try and feed him, he would cry. And it just wasn't sitting well with me and I had so much anger built up inside of me I didn't really know what to do if I'm honest and like Lucy was coaching me and advising me and and really sticking by me and my reaction was just to be angry with her put her down um the way I spoke to her was was, was not necessary um because she was just trying to help but I just didn't know what to do I was in this unknown position where I was failing and failing fast and I just didn't know how to be at home and uh, I remember making a bottle um, for, for Bailey to feed him and apparently it was too hot she said oh it's too hot and I just turned around and threw it against the kitchen wall and just said do you know what you just fucking do it then because I can't I just don't know what to do I can't do this and um, it just sort of kind of spiralled um, and then I was home for four days and uh, my, my phone rang and I answered it and it was rear operations, camp sergeant major. He said to me, Woody, is everything okay? So I thought something had been said that I've come That's home. And I mean, Yo, you should be yeah, bottles around the I kitchen, mean, man. I thought someone had said something. I thought, no one knows. So I said, yeah, I'm fine, absolutely. He said, all right, we've got an issue. I said, what's wrong? So he said, um, Chris Raymond's been killed in action. Um, he wasn't killed in action, sorry. And it was, um, it was an accidental death where he'd been hit by a barrier. A, a vehicle was leaving. He was basically on, on um, security. It was on guard duty. Like yeah, one of those big cement yeah. jammies. Oh. It caught the wire and it slammed on his head. But I knew him quite well. We played football. He was a mad chart enough, athletic fan. And I just, I couldn't believe after that tempo of that operation that he had lost his life like that. And he said to me, we want you to be burial party and repatriate him. So that was, I had only been home for four days. I was like struggling with the, the whole family life. Absolutely, I was going to do that because he needs the best send off that we can give him as a British soldier. So I was like, sir, I'll do that, no problem. I will carry that weight and I'll carry it with dignity mm -hmm. for him. So we went, I said to Lucia, I've got to go. She's like, okay, totally respect that. It's fine. Because so we had to go away for three days and we'd done loads of rehearsals and drills and stuff. And then we went to Bryce Norton where the big Hercules yeah. was flying into. And I was composed and I was ready. I thought I was ready to like, you know, really be non-emotional and, and just, you know, do what I had to do. Yeah, the military bearing, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we're professional and we need to give him the best send-off, but... I'm only human and I've got emotion yeah. and I'm not a robot. So when I seen this hurt came in, I sort of gritted my teeth and thought, right, let's focus, come on, and just do as best as we can for him. And we slow marched onto the ramp and it was, you know, the Union Jack was draped over the coffin. And um, what they do on the plane, they don't go above the, um, the head space because the plaque, they don't disrespect the plaque mm -hmm. at first, so they show it. So when we marched on, his plaque with his name when he was born and when he passed was on the plaque and I remember saying to myself and I was I was on, uh, in the middle of so I was in the middle of the uh, 
the basically the body. So there was two either side of me, and then me in the middle, and then opposite was the other three. Yeah. And I remember saying to myself, "Don't look at the plaque. Don't look at the plaque." And then, of course, you look, you look at the plaque. And that really, that kind of set me off a bit. I was gritting my teeth and then tears started streaming down my face and I was a little bit emotional then. And then my sergeant major said, right now, because it wasn't just me, it was the other guys, you know, which had emotion. He was like, listen, get yourself together now, prepare to lift. You know, and we did that and we, we lifted and we'd done the right turn and we walked down the ramp. And, and as we started walking towards the hearse, you could see his family. And I mean, his mum was wailing for him and it was hard hard really hard and um you know we we did that and then i and you know we laid him into the ground when we got to the um the cemetery um yeah it was a really difficult day for me and then i got home didn't speak about it to lucy she didn't really know what to say to me so she left me alone but then i kind of said you know why aren't you even asking me how i am and I, she couldn't really win with me, yeah, you know, yeah. she couldn't win with me. But I think this maybe was the start of, you know, PTSD maybe, my mental health issues mm -hmm. with gone from one extreme well, to another. A lot of guys, we bottle stuff up because we don't want to bury our, our wives and yeah. stuff like that. And I think with that, that's, that's I think, a problem that we all have. Yeah. That once we get past that and we can start talking to other guys about what we go through, it, yeah lessens the burden it's not just all on us because i made you probably thought you were absolutely alone right yeah i mean yeah definitely the thing is i felt i was a leader of men you know i was a, an infantry soldier mm -hmm. i was a frontline trained soldier and people looked up to me mm -hmm. within my regiment so for me to even try and contemplate going to see someone was like no no way i yeah, mean it's, it's, it's a, done, i done. thought it was a sign of weakness that yeah, i was well, weak but well, i was weak yeah, well for not going out and seeing someone uh, yeah i early. guess but you know, you, you see you know you impress on me the fact that a lot of times we mistake our emotions for us being weak yeah and i think like you said other guys were emotional too i mean it's something that you know i think sometimes our bearing gets the best of us and as a marine i know there were times where I had to do the whole stiff up the lips thing yeah. and not show any emotion. Yeah. And then, then later you realize that that was probably a step in the wrong direction. Definitely. So I was, I got home and then I was prepping my kit, ready to go to Wales, to the Brecon Beacons to go on this course, which was another four month course. So I was only home for a short time to then go away for another four months. And, um, my phone rang again and, uh, Leo Callahan was shot and killed in Basra and, I was asked to repatriate him, so I had to go through that whole emotional cycle again, which absolutely I I I, I wanted to do. I said I'll do it again mm -hmm. because he deserves this uh, absolutely. Um, but it was just my head was all over the place at this point, and I kind of just was just parking all of these experiences and this this trauma stuff. I was just parking it in my headspace yeah. and not speaking about it, and never never spoke about it. And uh, that was such an emotional day again. And then I got home and as crazy as it sounds, and I know this is maybe a little bit selfish, but I'm going to be honest because, you know, it's, you have it to is be, what it is, it is what it is. But I felt, I felt happier going on a military course than I did at home because I didn't know how to be at home. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it and there was no rule book and yeah. 
and I was like, you know, I was failing, I was hurting Lucy. I just, I just, I didn't know how to be at home. Did you feel like, did you feel like you being home was worse for your family than you being away? Do you know, that's a good question. I'd have to even ask Lucy. Lucy would answer that. Yeah, because yeah, um, a lot of times I find with guys I talk to and in my personal life as well, I thought me being home caused more problems than me yeah. being away, you know? And because that's, the it, thing is, women are unbelievable and they're resilient. Mm -hmm. So when I went away, Lucy got into a routine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She knew exactly what she was doing from when she woke up to when she put baby to bed and she got it. When I came, I started to like sort of Hang on a minute, missing up our routine. I put my bags at the door, I've, I've kicked my boots off, my yeah, military yeah. boots at the door, and she's asked me to put them away, and I'm like, fucking really? <laughs> yeah, okay. In the whole scheme of things, what I've been doing, you're asking me just, you're moaning me about my boots being there. Yeah. I mean, come on. But yeah, like I said, I just, and that was me, I went on I went on this course, and... Um, yeah, that was the commando course. Right? That was No, this was my um, course to become... NCO? A full corporal. Oh, yeah, okay corporal yeah so it was a very demanding yeah, NCO school yeah that's it yeah. a very demanding physical and mental course um but this is where when i was on course this is where the whole sort of the start the nothing was announced but it, it kind of started mm. now for me thinking back it started because i was in a weapon lesson and we were in there as a team the instructor was there showing us how to take a lesson on weapon systems when i knock at the door um and knock at the door the door was opened and it was two special investigation branch regiment uh, RMPs, regimental military yeah. police, in their civvies, in their suits, and they said, I want to speak to Lance Corporal Wood. And my instructor was like, he's in a lesson, what do you want him for? I said, oh, we need to question him on the Battle of Danny Boy. And I was like, random. Anyway, just I was a young guy, didn't take any um, representation with me because yeah. I didn't know the rules and regulations. I yeah, just went. You go sit down, you answer questions. Yeah, I got nothing. Do what I'm told. I mean, these these people are senior to me, and I just do what I'm told. So they took me out of our barracks, which we were in, took me to a different barracks, took me to a room, sat me in front of a computer screen, and they said, "Right, the reason why you're here is we want to question you on a, on your statements that you gave after the Battle of Danny Boy, and we want you to identify." Um, the bodies and the POWs. Bearing in mind, I'm trying to concentrate on this career yeah. course. Yeah, this is something completely yeah. happened to you a long time ago. Um, and I mean, frankly, you probably don't remember every guy's I face, right? Of course you don't. Yeah. You don't. And I, I just, I said to them, I don't know. And they said, well, we need, we need to go through this. It's a process. And I was like, this is a random process. Like, bearing in mind, I'm trying to be focused for this career course. Mm -hmm. Now my head is all over the place again. Then they're asking me about some discrepancies in my statement and things were highlighted and they asked me to look at these photographs of these different bodies and all sorts. And I was like, this is just crazy. And uh, obviously I did it, went back to camp um, and then just tried to crack on with the course, which I did. Um, and then, you know, three years after that course. Wait, three years? Yeah, after that course, I was on my commando course. All right, this is crazy. Yeah. Three years after these guys kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Pick your brain for something that you don't yeah. really remember. Yeah. And then I was on my commando course. Um, I'd just done the bottom field assault course, the 30 foot rope climb. Came back to the room and then I had a missed call on my phone. It's from Lucy and she never phones me because she, you know, she knows the score. Mm -hmm. So I phoned her back and she said, oh, there's a really, really important letter here. I said, oh, we'll open it and read it. And she opened it and it went silent. I said, oh, are you there? Lucy, she was like, I don't believe it. She said, um, there's a letter here. 
that is announced and there's going to be a public inquiry um, regarding the Battle of Danny Boy and the allegations are murder, mutilation and mistreatment of POWs. And I've asked her, said, is it my name? Is my name on there? She said, yes, it's your name, Brian. It's your name. It's you. You've got to go and have interviews of the start of this process. And I'm on a course. I'm on a commanding yeah. course. And I'm like, and it's, you, you know, to own your Green Beret, it's, it's demanding. Yeah. As you know, as a, as a former Marine, I mean, it's a graft. So now my head space is all over the place. Why are they murder? I mean, this is the most serious of allegations. Yeah, and, and, and you can almost smell the civilian and all that. You know, where it's like mutilation, yeah. murder, you know. And the thing is, I mean, I, that none of that happened. I mean, I was just like, this is just crazy. But then sure enough, it grew traction, and it was in the press, then it was in the British media. Then, the, the, do you know what? The, the British most media, frankly, is some of the biggest bottom feeders when you go and see some of the stuff that they come up with. It's especially at the anti-forces thing. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's super hurtful, but it really is, because I just, as a young 23-year-old, I thought I did the best that I could possibly do, and we got out of there alive, you know? And with, I thought, my integrity at the highest level, because my values are very high, and this started to really affect me. And, and then, what rank are you at this point when you're going to course? Sergeant. Because you're a full sergeant now. Yeah. You were a lance corporal before. Yeah, so time. Yeah. What is it, six years, you said? Five. It five, was five. Five years. When I got, yeah. I mean, I, I just couldn't sort of believe that this had come out in the media without me sitting down with, with anyone and really explaining my, my side yeah, of the story. Side, it just yeah. came out and it was like, aired to the public, my name was in the press and... And like I was at a bar, I remember once I was in a bar in Farnham in, in Surrey and a friend came up to me and said, Brian, did you, you know, did you do it? And it hurt me so much because then I had to justify myself and I thought, yeah. why am I justifying myself? Yeah. I mean, that's what hurt the most. Friends and family would ask, you know, did that happen? It's like, it didn't happen. So were the allegations that the guys that, that were fighting you got killed no well, they After said that the we, we took them back alive and then executed them against the wall and who's the the guy who the guy with the, he is like yellow yeah Phil Shiner who is this dude and why did he why do people listen to this I mean no of course I mean, for real, but I, I had many a sleepless nights asking me that, myself that same question you know he's a British guy yeah. you know he's gone over there and taken cases on for these Iraqi military fighters militia fighters who have caused the British soldiers and American soldiers so much heartache. Someone has taken, I, I get it, if you are, if you do something and it is illegal, it has to be looked into, but there was no evidence, nothing that this was illegal to then go into the public domain. And you, and when you told me the story earlier, there's, there are the five guys that you got out that were all yep. assaulted with. You have your sergeant major as well. Yep. You have the, 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 the uh, the, the commander and the gunner, gunner from the, from the, the vehicle. Driver, yeah. And then you got the medics, you got the yeah. two vehicles, you got the tankers. Yeah. So all these guys are now yeah. they're in, in on this conspiracy. They're in it. They're in it. They're all in it. There was a hell of a lot of us. I, you know, I'm just obviously, uh, for, for mine and me and you sat here, it's, it's, I can tell you how I, f my feelings and how I felt, but there was so many more people um, who it affected. You know, you're talking about careers were, were ruined and ended marriages were ruined and ended mine close very close to shattering point um ptsd was fueled because people lose your head when you're getting told time and time again you've done you've done it wrong 
and you, you know and, damn well you did and you did yeah. you, but you do sometimes question yourself have mm-hmm. I done it wrong and it's unfair especially at such like young age when I've gone out there to defend serve and protect this great country mm-hmm. you know I'm so passionate about this country and I just couldn't believe what was happening and you know things dark things started opening up refresh wounds were opening up and yeah, it's a, a scab scratch yeah right absolutely there. and I was going, going off the beaten track which I then needed to get a purpose and I needed to find and fix myself some purposes which I did I, you know, I'm a, a football player so I've done coaching and then took the kids coaching courses and, you know I went away and done loads of charity events and not too long ago I cycled across America actually 3,000 miles just to sort of get out there and do something mm-hmm. and raise some well-needed funds for veterans and stuff, which my headspace was just, to be honest, all over the place. And um, so when these allegations came out, you know, we just... And they were, weren't shot down by the army immediately. No. They were saying, like, that's ridiculous, don't be, don't be silly. They were like, hmm, let's see what's up. And it, it, that's, that's the thing that, like, as, as, a, as a vet, and I'm, you know... My kids are British. Yeah. They're born here. My wife's British. So I consider myself part British. Yeah. Right? I love this country too. And I find it infuriating and frustrating at the same time. And I'm just reading this. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Sure. To be involved in this must yeah. have been maddening. Yeah. Probably. It was, it was demanding. And like I said, it. That's a good way to put it, man. It, it was a demanding process. Yeah. And it was a demanding 10 years because it did take 10 years to, to then get the verdict. But so this was happening these allegations were out there I was then in um, with the solicitors you know I had a file case of you know over 400 pages it was it was like it was you're in um, meetings after interviews you know, after meetings after interviews shit like that yeah then, I, then it was my turn to go to court like and I've not been a goody two shoes my whole life, but I've never been to court, right? And, yeah, and I've, you know, it's I mean, I've gone plugged out, especially. Yeah. Are you still in the military at this point, right? Yeah, so and I've still and, I, and I've still went out and and done two operational yeah. tours yeah. after this had yeah. happened. So my name was in question, but they still allowed me to go off operational to another tour of Iraq and then in and Afghanistan. Then Afghanistan yeah. So you know, I did that because I believed in my regiment. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know. In my, in the back you're of my head, you're a solid dude. Um, as we yeah, say, you're a good man, and these, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but this guy, I just want to get a better picture of who this dude is that that was allowed to bring these charges, unfounding yeah. charges against all of yeah, you. Yeah, so it's Phil Shiner. He's a human rights lawyer, so um, you know he'll go in and investigate if there was any sort of mistreatment within different areas of operations for sure. for these. Iraqis or Afghanis, you know, they'll they'll go and do yeah. whatever they do. I don't even know in detail what they do, but there's some human rights. Um, but yeah, you know, the Nazis had a human rights branch too. Yeah. It does. It does. It, what it is is, I, I imagine this guy goes there and looks for issues. Yeah, looks for problems, and and obviously anybody who's related to those guys that were fighting against you probably had a bunch of stories to tell, right? So it's all one side. And they also, he also, once it all came out, he was paying middlemen oh, really? bungs of money to come up with false allegations. Course, and do you yeah. know what, right? This is a true story. They they tried it with the Americans. They shut it down. They were too tight. Yeah. Their system was all over it. They were like, not a chance. Yeah. You're not getting in. That is not even going to get looked at. So what they did was they got the uh, American or the militia claims mm-hmm. that the American soldiers, what they, they said they did, 
they said they transferred it into British oh, allegations. Really? Yeah, wow. because they knew there was flaws in our system and they could carry it through. Because the American system was so tight, they said, oh, don't worry about that. We'll just use it as a, as a British allegation so we can... Yeah. And, and there were no American troops anywhere near you? No. Yeah. No. Man. They were just coming up with false, you know, false allegations to, just for money. Because he was deemed, Phil China was deemed... He's with a big suitcase of money handing out to people coming up with stories. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, I know. And he was deemed, though, to be one of the most superior lawyers in his field. He was um, an ambassador. The general, kind of. Mm. <laughs> he was an ambassador. He, I mean, he was an ambassador for universities and colleges. And, you know, he was... That's why the MOD probably gave him that job, because he was, the, he was meant to be... So he's cream. working at the MOD? The MOD must have... Do you know what? I, that, you can't quote me on that, because yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, but he was hired but by someone, charges, and he right? brought this these charges to, to get looked into and like I said I went like I went I went in the courtroom and um speaking of you said you would sleep in size how does this motherfucker sleep at night doing this kind of shit crazy that's shit unbelievable, man. That's unbelievable. yeah so I, was, I went into the courtroom and because it was a public inquiry this courtroom yeah, was stacked yeah. stacked full of people and they had the mirror glass where you can see out, but you can't see oh, yeah. in. And I was like, shit, and there's the screens everywhere. And that really intimidated me. And I was like, bloody hell, really nervous. I've gone in there. The judge, Sir Thane Forbes, was legendary. Yeah. He was a good guy, man. Yeah. And um, he made me feel really at ease. Because it's really intimidating. Um, and then Phil Shiner was the, the, the sort of my one o'clock. And uh, his representation stood up and started off, bang. Cute, uh, cross-examining me, bringing up all different slides on because I had two screens in front of me. He would bring up a couple of photos that were taken on the battlefield, and, and he was grilling me on them, saying that there were trophy photographs, and you know why was there blood on someone's hand? Would we beating these people? And you know, mis no, I was like, you. It seems like it seems like they were just fishing. They've right? just got, yeah. they're just like no, they've got no credibility. Yeah. They've not served this great country. They've they got, know. they're just, yeah. I mean, he, so he was like going wild on all these um, questions and on my statement and stuff and, and I was trying to counter what I believed and, and the, some of my um, people were yelling at his dummy yeah, <laughs> the people which was just trying to be disciplined and, and keep my emotions intact because I didn't want to show a, you know, a sign of me getting agitated because they were looking for that and it was, I was in there for about 40 minutes and um, it sort of my my sitting came to an end but he said he summarised with Brian I believe in 2004 innocent civilians were killed that day so he's basically called me a murderer in this courtroom in front of all these people and I'd been through 10 years 10 years of her probably combat dragged, operations too, uh, and, and been on a number of combat operations after all of this came out so I'm stood there and I'm thinking no and I've and I've opened my mouth and the judge said to me, we're done. I said, sir, you, I, can't, I cannot leave this courtroom on that summary. It's unfair for, for you to allow that to happen because I've been dragged through the mud and, and my fellow soldiers, mm -hmm. my names have been tarnished. It's not fair. And he said, right, okay, on you go. So he let me. That judge is pretty yeah, cool. He, he, cool knew, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew the drill. Yeah. So I said to him, I stood up, and at this point I was emotional mm -hmm. because of all Sorry. built up on me. That's all right. At this point, I was emotional because I was, it, it just all seemed to just flood out 
I kept it in for so long and I said to him, the QC, you have got no credibility to me. You haven't walked a yard in my shoes. You haven't signed up and fought for this great country. You haven't had to make split second decisions in extreme circumstances to get it right. You haven't had to lay two fellow soldiers, brothers, to rest. You haven't gone through an absolute issue with relationship building. You haven't had distress in your name in public likes like I have. And you're calling me a murderer. I said, if we continue to do this, we will cause a massive issue with decision making on the front line because people will not make the right decision because they'll be like here with me. Mm -hmm. They'll be in front of a courtroom like this. And it's unfair. It's unfair and, it, and it's a pack of lies. And at this point, I was like, tears were streaming down my face. And, and then the judge was brilliant. He was like, Brian, well said, right, you can go. And then I left. And, and then in um, this year, beginning of this year, he was, uh, Phil Shiner was found guilty of um, deliberate lies. Um, no integrity. He was made um, bank. He made him declared himself bankrupt because he knew he was going to go. Um, sue his ass. And shit he did. But he, they, we, we, we couldn't even sue him because yeah. he put his money in declaring bankrupt. He's a lawyer. But, uh, yeah, he knows what he's doing. One hundred percent. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, yeah, and it, and it all came out in the press, and that's that's when I then broke my silence and went on national TV and spoke about this and and the demand it had on me and my fellow soldiers for the last 10 years. And it just really hurts me how we've got systems that allow this to happen. And I do feel a little bit double-crossed with my government and the MOD to a degree. I love my regiment and I'm passionate about my regiment. And I fought hard with the bravest of men yeah. within my regiment. But the MOD and the government knew what we were going through and one phone call I had. Really? No one was saying, hey, Brian, yeah, keep it up, yeah, do all good, yeah. keep it together. The only people I spoke to were people who were going through the heartache with me because they knew how I was feeling I knew how they were feeling. I never had anyone external ask me how my family was, how my son was, how my other son was because now, you know, well, I've got two oh, kids yeah. now. And um, it was just such a, a difficult time in need as well. Like my back was against the wall. And when I needed the support, I just, yeah, nothing, nothing was um, given to us, which is a regret of mine. I mean, you know, it is what it is now. We've just got to get on with it. But when I do look at it, I just think it's a little bit betrayed there because I've fought hard. Yeah. And then when I need to fight back, no one's around me and helping me. Do you think the the situation is is getting better in this country for that i mean with a lot of i think recently prince harry yeah. who's another combat vet started talking about mental health issues within yeah. the mod yeah. and it's something that a lot of the the rank and file soldiers airmen marines navy guys sailors yeah were talking about amongst themselves yeah. in small groups and it's now a big thing is that something you think it pulls, uh, uh, you know, the sheet off of that. So the MOD has to take this all into consideration how they behave. Because yeah. it seems from an outsider that the MOD would 
be more likely to believe someone like this guy, this lawyer, and his crazy cracked up stories than trusted men who serve this country. And it just seems to me that the, the balance is off. You know, they always see that the scale of justice, you know, it seemed like it was really skewed in this guy's favor. And when you guys had to, well, all of you guys had to kind of defend your actions that day that was already documented. And the fact that you couldn't have a conspiracy with like 90 guys in it, it just didn't make any sense. And I think now, do you think this this thing happening with the MOD and Prince Harry will, will let the public know? Because essentially the public can say to, you know, to the MOD, because they do serve the public, like, hey, you got to treat these guys better. These are our guys. These yeah. are the guys that go do the shit that most people wouldn't even think of doing because they're too busy with their cell phones and, you know, some stupid soap opera. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it seems like the priorities were wrong. Do you think they're shifting? I think... Prince Harry has done a remarkable job. I mean, but it, why is it taking a figure like him to to get traction? I mean, they've got to believe the people, the grunts will go and well, do this. They've it seems got like to no believe. one ever believes the grunts, man. No. <laughs> you know, so it's like I mean, you, can, you can shout it from the rooftops, yeah. and then like I, I, I admire Prince Harry. I think Absolutely. he's doing good shit. Yeah, and I think him saying it is probably a, a, a you know a result of him hearing it from all yeah. these guys. But still, why would you have to take that? Yeah, how to do of course. That? And I've got so much respect for Prince Harry. Look, he's a leader of men. He's got some incredible values. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, he's been a, he's been a lad, but yeah. we're all entitled to that, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's gone lads, there man. and he's fought for his yeah. country. When he could been on have not, a, he could exactly, have he's chosen a different path, and he went and he went into some serious situations as well. So yeah, you've got to give times, him, right? He exactly, could have just absolutely. did that one little trip and then, you know. Definitely. Twice, you know, he went and put his neck on the line, which is incredible considering, you know, where he is yeah. in, in, the, in the chain of command. I mean, it hats off to him. And he has to, and he, but the Invictus Games, yeah, what he does and, and push that forward because these people are the 1% outstanding Standing people within the country. They really are. 100% fact. When you put your neck on the line for your country, you are deemed in the top 1%. Yeah. And he knows that. And he looks after these people. And you've got to, because it's only right to do so. Have we got it right? We haven't. Are we getting it better? I think we are. Mm. With people like Heads Together, with that foundation yeah. that he's in with the mental health, with the campaign that, you know, when it's got, it got some great traction with Trevor Colt. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm doing something with the criminals that yeah, I nominated I mean, Frank Affairs. <laughs> brilliant. I mean, it's incredible. You know, that, the likes of him who's experienced the post-traumatic stress, who's now better and at the other end and there is such a need for it, you know, him doing walk a mile in my shoes, yeah. you know, little things which have gained so much traction is incredible and that's a credit to him. Yeah. You know, he, he's a military crosswinner himself. Yeah. You know, put his neck on the line for this country and, and his passion to help others. It's just, it's inspiring, yeah. you know? And it, we need to get around these sort of people because uh, yeah, there is a massive, massive job to do to try and help um, get these organizations in place because it's, there's a big stigma we have to try and get out of it. It took me 10 years to go and see someone, if I'm honest. It took me many, many, many years. Probably 2000, more, yeah. yeah, 2012. When I was at the, um, when I was instructing with the Royal Marines, I was uh, an instructor, I was a colour sergeant. Mm. It was actually a, a Royal Marine who said to me, a colour sergeant Royal Marine said, Woody, you've got to go and see someone, mate. You really have. And he walked to the door and then knocked on the door and then left me 
and that was my first and it was 10 years too late yeah. and I wish I'd done it sooner because but you did it but I did it <laughs> but you did absolutely it. Yeah, yeah. I still did it yeah. and you know if I can when I do public speaking or speak to some um, sporting organisations when I open up and, and speak about you know sort of um, you know my le lessons learned and what I didn't get it right so you should try and get it right because you know it only causes hurt and pain and then yeah. when they hear people who have gone through a lot of sort of trauma in their life yeah. they actually think fair play you've opened up well, and yeah, you've done it of, so I should yeah it's, it's almost like the footsteps before them you know what I mean and standing on the shoulders of giants it's a, it's a British phrase yeah yeah I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that things are, are getting better and things like that but you know I it, it doesn't lend itself to much patriotism with yeah. people who are patriotic or patriots like yourself, yeah. heroes like yourself, who do these incredible things that most people won't do, and they get their integrity and their honesty is questioned by people who haven't, you know. And then when you know it turns out ten years later, this guy's discredited and he's like yeah. rolling around wherever he's rolling around, and. There's, there's still people out there who, you know, have a negative view of the armed forces, actually a negative view of their own country because of the way the media portrays it all. Yeah. It's sad, man. I mean, because if a country, if you hate your country, will you defend it? I know. That's the, that's the thing that always bothered me as a, as a guy who served. I was young when I went in and it instilled in me a love for, for freedom and liberty and the things 100%. that, that like, you know, we walk down the street and, you know, you've, you've been to some bad places in the world where women can't even walk down the street by yeah, themselves of course. for a myriad of reasons. Yeah. But, you know, we come back to the world, as we call it, right? You come back and it's like, oh, all this stuff's going on. But no one really is taking into consideration how it's afforded. I know. You know, that's the that's that's the sad part, I think, that people that's why I do these podcasts. I yeah. talk to guys like yourself and, yeah. because I think people need to know that you know, by the grace of God go them. Because you know, a lot of people could have decided that, you know, they wanted to join the army and would have been in your shoes. And then they hear your story and like shit, I don't know if I could have done that. And then they yeah. have more respect for the people who have done it rather than in, in the United States a, there's a there's a class thing. And the people who usually join the military are, are kind of like the lower classes, right? And I'm talking about enlisted class, yeah, not yeah. the officer class. That's something different. It's yeah. college dudes or whatever. And it was always like guys from the Midwest who joined the Navy because they never saw the ocean before. You know, yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. So it was like guys from New York who joined the Marines because the army the, they were tougher than the army, whatever. Yeah, this kind yeah. of stupid shit like that. But within when you when you look at it like with the relief of this whole. I don't mean to get classy with my words, but you know, people talk about postmodernism where they destruct everything. Yeah. Like every construct, you know, like be it loyalty, integrity, yeah. honor, the things that as soldiers be yeah, core values. Yeah, there are core values. Yeah. And when you when you say that they don't exist, then it kind of lends itself to the next generation not having those values. And that's what I'm scared for. Because you yeah. got you got kids, I got kids, yeah. you know, I don't want them growing up in a world that is devoid of these values. Yeah. yeah, I totally, totally understand and respect that. I really do. And you've got boys too. I mean, the whole thing, and I don't mean to go off, off track too much, but you hear how when when you hear about uh, masculinity being attacked, like everybody, you know, you, you can't be an alpha male. It's bad. Yeah. But, you know, if it was for alpha males, don't get anything done. There'd be a bunch of guys going, what do we do? So if you look at like the old, like the old 
uh, Roman Empire, you know, yeah. like they felt because they decided that, you know, they were going to be very nihilistic. And I think that's how we're aiming towards. But it's like guys like you and, and many see, others, guys like you, you know, and, and guys, there is there is plenty of natural leaders mm -hmm. and, and people care out there. And we just need to keep a hold of that because it's so important for that because we need to need to keep punching on it's so important and um like you know my one of my proudest moments of my life was going to buckingham palace yeah you did. yeah um, but we never speak about it yeah. because of everything so overshadowed it i went to, you know going to buckingham palace my wife and my mum and dad you know that must have been so proud of you then oh it was not, it was it was an unbelievable day but yeah, we just, that happened soon after 2005 wow, yeah um literally put the medal on my chest and said you know this military cross every time you wear it you wear it with pride it's not very often i get to do this to a live person too. yeah absolutely and it's this is a credit to you and the family and thank you for your service and that coming from the queen was incredible um but like i said i just very rarely talk about it now unfortunately hopefully in time i will speak about it a little bit more but because of everything else it's just overshadowed it um it's just become sort of in the back burner really well it's something that you have in, in in your heart that can't get taken away absolutely and you know you know the, the military cross and you know probably better than most is a is a medal that's given for extreme bravery in combat yeah and it's not just for shooting enough guys or it's not just for you know being reckless it's it's for all the other things it's not that you know it's not about it's about keeping your guys together. It's about having the presence of mind to do the things you did. Yeah. And, and leading men. Because if no one's leading, who's going to follow? Yeah. You know, I think, I, 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 I think as time goes by, more people will start to understand that those certain things that, that make this country great are in the people mm. of this country. I think you're absolutely nailed it there. I honestly believe that they're not things; they're people. They're living yeah, values that are li alive, and that's the. There's that's too the many thing. people get involved in things and decision making, and you know, I, I get that we have to have governments. I understand that, but we're giving, you know, politicians. I've got key influences on decision making. What happens with the military when they've not served mm -hmm. and, and been out on the front line themselves? Mm -hmm. But they're making key decisions, but not experienced it. They yeah. haven't got, you know. They don't understand the culture, the ground control, you know, what we do on operations day to day. But they're making key decisions, which you have to, of course, go along with, whether you believe it's the right thing or not, because we're soldiers and we have to get also, on with our jobs. It's split-second decision-making. I mean, there was that Sergeant Black in the Royal Marine who That's right. they put him in Marine jail for seven years, yeah. man, or yeah. four and a half, whatever it was. Absolutely. And that was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the, the problem was initially, and I don't mean to say that body cams in combat are a bad thing, but they're not a good thing because it makes you second-guess every instinct that you've been trained yeah. to do. And I'm not saying that this guy who was, was shot and wounded and then killed because he was shooting at his guys, That I, that's not what I'm talking about, not yeah. that actual thing. I'm just thinking that... We have to remember that the people of this country are the ones that instill these values that we hold so dear. Definitely. Yeah, well, I appreciate you hanging with me, though. Too. Yeah, honestly. You're going to come to the gig in May? Oh, I'd love you to. bring your boys? I really would. Yeah, I mean, that would be 
Special mates in Amsterdam. And I'm just, before I go, I just want to quickly do a shout out to, to Trevor. Oh, yeah, man. And, um, you know, if you are listening today, it's really important that we get behind his campaign. It's uh, Walk a Mile in My Shoes. And Huey's been on the back of it. He's mm-hmm. jumped on and he's really supported it. Um, so if uh, you'd like to, Walk a Mile in My Shoes and text VIAS to 70. Zero seven zero zero. Dude, you remembered that. I that love was, that. that was, you didn't yeah. look at anything. I'm all over that. You know, that's cool. What do you know? Um, um, yeah, he's very passionate about it. Just if you're on social media, give him a little follow. Trevor Colt, um, you know, was awarded the military course, like I said earlier. It's incredible bravery, incredible man. Um, and he's really, really making a difference with this campaign. So thanks very much, um, Huey, for having well, me here today. It's, it's, it's been it's my honor. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you, man. And I think it's great to see. Uh, a lot of you guys from different branches, different regiments, all getting together for a good cause. I think it's good. And people should know that, you know, freedom isn't free. Yeah. We're, God bless you. Right, bless you, bro. Thanks I appreciate you doing this, man. Right on. That's a pretty heavy story, huh? Well, I'm happy to be able to share these experiences on the pod. I think it's really important to have these firsthand accounts out there, especially for my civilians. You can never really know the price of freedom until you hear a man like Brian Speak about everything he went through to get it for you. Okay, so right now we're still playing with the schedule, so I can't really tell you exactly what's up next because I'm trying to make it good. I'm not just trying to give you a whole bunch of nonsense. I want it to count. So I can tell you it'll only be more dopeness, though, G. So now's the drill. Be sure to subscribe. Spread the love. It's the Brooklyn Way. Leave us some nice reviews, iTunes, Acast. Thank you very much. And until next time, y'all stay classy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. 
Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U dot com, code GLOW.